You are now listening to The Art of Winning Show with your host and co-host, Eddie Truck Gordon and Miyoko Taylor, two best-selling authors. Eddie Truck Gordon is New York Emmy award-winning fighter, UFC Ultimate Fighter champion. Miyoko Taylor is a celebrity personal development coach and thought leader. Both have mastered the art of winning. It's never too late to tap into your amazing, and remember, success has no age limit. I'm super excited because I have my college teammate and one of the most successful businessmen I know, Mr. Jeff Van Note, the mortgage quarterback himself. Jeff, what's going on today? EG, what's up, man? Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. I'm definitely, definitely, definitely honored. Um, we're going to jump right in, man. I want you to tell you know our, our listeners kind of kind of what you have been doing, You know what your background is, what's your specialty. I know, but I need the listeners to know. Man, so it's crazy. So I uh, hope you got some time, man. You might, might want to sit back, kick it, relax a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, as I was reading your book, I think uh, the one thing that stuck out is I think we all had a dream in life at some point, right? We all want to be something. Um, and in your book, you know, you wanted to go to the NFL, as did I. So, you know, we both worked our way up as high as possible, played at competitive level. And during college breaks, you know, summer, winter, you know, he would never let me just stay home and not do anything. I would always have to go and work at his company. I literally started in the mailroom in 1989 when I was three years old. Um, you know, I'd run back and forth, make copies for people, you know, help people, you know, basically get them drinks and really be that runner, if you will, you know, learning the back end of the business starting from the ground up. And then as I got older, you know, high school and you know, early on in college, I would get more involved as an assistant role to help the top selling sales guys, the loan officers, the guys that have been in the business 10, 15, 20, 30 years, guys that are making three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars a year, year over year over year, doing business the right way in the mortgage business. Um, so at an early age, I was like, man, like if these guys could do it, I think I could do this. Like it's not that hard. All they're, all they're really doing is just helping people, right? They're helping people find money to buy homes. So one thing I didn't like about the business was I didn't see a lot of integrity in it. Um, so from an early age, I knew that if I was to get into the business, I would bring a full transparent process with trust and honesty, which even though these guys were great role models as people, you know, they were sales guys at the end of the day. And I didn't like that because I don't think that people should be sold something, right? Actually right. money when they're buying a house to put their family in, you know? So that was kind of like one of those inner struggles I always had and still have today because you want to be able to do business but with people that don't do business the right way you know I lose out on deals because I'm too honest so backtrack what that happened was I got got out of practice one day I was walking home during summer tryouts you know for football summer conditioning uh, strength and conditioning and I walked past his house on Cretona Avenue which was a block away from where I live. My, my, my old house, that's my old house. You're bringing back memories. I'm freaking yeah, out over here. <laughs> back down, back down to Tona, 187 from the Bronx. And um, I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, I, I know mortgage products exist in the market, but you don't have to have income. You don't have to have credit. You don't have to have any money. You could buy a house, right? I was helping people get these loans. I wasn't doing the loans. I just knew what they needed to get the loan, right? I was helping senior loan officers. I was, I was 18, 19 years old. I don't even think I could spell. I didn't know that there was, you know, a T in mortgage. I thought it was M-O-R-G-A-G-E. So I called up the for sale sign. I'm like, listen, 
I want to buy this house. Left the lady a voicemail. I called this lady every single day from July of 2007 until December 2nd, 2007. Every day I called her. Never called me back. So I'm like, this is crazy. Like the house is for sale. It says for sale. Like I'm going to wait until football season's over, come back after Thanksgiving break. I'm going to put my suit and tie on. Because if you remember when we had to travel, we used to have to wear a suit and tie, right? So I'm like, I have my, my cars from interning. I'm going to pretend to be a mortgage guy that wants to try and buy this house. So they take me serious. Now I'm 20. I'm about to be 21. So it's December 3rd, 2007. I, I drive about an hour and a half into the other part of the Bronx, way out of the way, roundabout way. And I show up at this real estate office and I say, hey, I'm, uh, I'm here to buy this house. They're like, sorry, honey, the house ain't for sale. Now I'm in the middle of the Bronx. I'm, I'm, I'm this... I'm this lone ranger, you know, probably one of the only white guys in the neighborhood at the time, like suit and tie on. They're like, you know, they thought I was like the Wolf of Wall Street, right? So I'm like, I, I want to buy this house. And like, again, honey, this house ain't for sale. I don't know what you want. I say, well, listen, you can at least return my phone call because I didn't know the process. So I gave him my car. I said, listen, if anything changes, please let me know. So as I'm walking out the door, my back's ready, you know, towards the lady at the front desk. She's like, honey, that house is a short sale. And by the way, these two people called up looking for mortgages. I had given her my mortgage card and she gave me two leads. So I put you know, the leads in my pocket and I walk out and I go back and I sit in my car. And I'm like, I just got two leads. I didn't, this, this can't be that easy. But what I didn't realize was, again, the market was collapsing at that time. So all mortgage guys disappeared and no one was servicing real estate accounts. Um, about three months later, football came to an abrupt end. You know, we had a coaching change, and my coach cut me the day before the spring game. So I basically took my same drive, passion, intensity, and as a distraction, like tortured myself by entering into the mortgage business. But I didn't actually enter the mortgage business to do mortgages. I did it to distract myself from football ending, obviously. My, you know, my dreams were canceled, as I spoke about earlier. So I made it kind of like a recruiting a friends game. I just went out there. I just wanted to meet people. I wanted to like learn about the business. And before I knew it, I was I was clearing six figures a year. In my, in my first nine months in the business, I made like one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. I mean, it, it was crazy. And what was crazy was, as rewarding as the money was, it gave me the flexibility to go out there and do mortgages when other banks weren't lending money. Figuring out the creativity of it, the most rewarding feeling was helping people that couldn't get a mortgage elsewhere get a mortgage from me, and then them having a home because of my knowledge and effort. So I spent you know, a good portion of that time kind of learning the ins and outs of the mortgage business from a relationship standpoint, from a service standpoint, and really from an understanding of the guidelines, which every other loan officer didn't do because they were only worried, the majority of them were only focused on how much money they were making, right? Um, so I made a quick name for myself in the Bronx, and I've been in that game ever since. Um, I've taken different roles on from management roles, training roles, you know, net branch roles where I run my own mortgage bank inside of mortgage banks. Um, and it's been an interesting way. And simultaneously, the mortgage business has allowed me to make enough income to open up other businesses that either gave me experience or allowed me to funnel clients into my mortgage business because that's my bread and butter. Nice. See, I, I love that, man. Miyako, cut me off at any point. I love that because you know, obviously I'm biased because I know you and, and I know you as a young man. Like I didn't know this entrepreneur side of you, but I feel like athletes always have that edge, always have that, that fire, that passion that drives them, you know, you know, to success. 
And that's the thing that gets me, you know, pumped up about you is because everything I heard from you, none of it was excuses. And like, you can make excuses in life. Like, you know, I have a life, I have a family, I have kids. I know you hear about my son in the background running around somewhere back there, but we don't make excuses. And that's what I love about you. You got a passion. You don't go by any means, jump in. Cause I know you got, I know your wheels are always turning. And I always try to steal them. Always well, try to steal the Well, you said something about athletes, man. Like one thing about athletes, especially if you're playing any organized ball or uh, professional sports and things like that. One of the biggest things, especially being a coach and dealing with mindset, is that mindset is one of the most important components. And we have guests in um, day in and day out. And, and, and truck, you can stop me at any point as well. But I really think athletes really have to learn how to channel that particular winning mindset. And it's, it's, a, it's a similar characteristics, and I don't know if you guys see it, but it's you're, you're literally talking about each other when you talk about your, your different success stories. And it all boils down to a particular mindset. Like you had a desire to play professional sports. That didn't work out. So you immerse yourself in something else probably to get away from possibly the disappointment and, and all those things. But you immerse yourself in something else and you discovered a skill, a gift, and a skill set that you were good at. And you still added value, if not more value, than you could ever have as an athlete because now you're helping people in positions who weren't able to be helped or turned away by particular mortgage companies or banks or institutions. So it's like you took that mindset and you put it in a completely different area. And I can't stress enough how having the right mindset, it doesn't matter what industry that you're in. If you have that particular mindset, that goes with you, man. You can't put a price on what you have. So I just want to point that out. Like that's really, really important because yeah, you, know, I mean, you, you know guys, you guys are, you guys were football stars. You know what I mean? You guys were football stars. Um, MMA champions, but it's just like you take that mindset and you put it into everything you do, and because of that, you guys are successful at everything you do. You know, you know, I think it's crazy, right? So I always said, I wrote an article on my blog and said, you know, football prepared me for life, right? And it's funny because you sit back and you listen to other people make excuses. You look, sit back and people say they're struggling. You know, listen. At the end of the day, workouts physical workouts that we went through, whether it was with weights, whether it was running up, you know, stadiums, whether it was dragging tires, pushing sleds, like, yeah, that's physical, but not quitting is mental, right? Like Absolutely. your body can go through extreme, extreme pressure and stress, but your mind is usually what breaks, not your body, right? So I think it's interesting in the fact that as I was building my name up and trying to go out there and develop a, sk a different skill set and bring something that I was never trained in through mortgages, I taught myself mortgages, it was my mentality of that. So literally I went from catching passes, right, to getting leads. So every lead I got, a ball thrown to me, and every time I had a closing, it was like scoring a touchdown. So I didn't, again, I didn't measure my success by how much money I made. I had a goal of catching 100 balls and scoring 80 touchdowns, you know? So every time you want to get that ball, get that pass, you know, it might be a deep ball where the probability of catching it isn't that great. So a short little two or three yard pass that you could take and score. So I really took, like, mortgage business became my playing field. It became my football. Um, and it was it's just interesting how you make that mentality of, okay, anything's possible. Like, 
putting on a suit and tie, getting in your car and going out, meeting people, meeting friends, putting deals together, didn't have an actual physical grunt wear and tear. Like it was never work for me. Like for me, I always considered work a physical component, not a mental and physical component. But then when you take a step back and look, you know, my mind is so properly conditioned from everything I had been through prior in life, specifically due to sports, that it gave me an upper hand when entering the business world, especially with older people. I love it, man. And that's why you're the mortgage quarterback. And you know, and that and that's like that's the mentality that you need to be successful. That's the mentality that you need to, to win. Now, you got an exciting project going on. Um, I don't want to stay definitely tell us about that that project that's hopefully launching in uh, July if I'm if I'm a guest. Well, we have a couple of projects we've been working on. You know, we spent all of last year, I believe, uh, creating for what the market, specifically the real estate and real estate finance world needed, right? Because there's still a lot of unknown. You know, everyone knows what happened in 2008. You see the movies, the Wall Street movies, you know, the big short. Everyone's heard of things, but a lot of really what happened was covered up, right? No one ever got to the root of ethics that's behind everything. Um, so I have the mortgage playbook for millennials, which is being released, okay? And it's kind of like a look inside my helmet, which is my brain, from my perspective. So imagine, you know, you wake up one morning, you open your front door, you walk outside, and the entire neighborhood around you is burning, right? You're like, well, I didn't hear any crash. I didn't hear any sirens. I literally walked outside, and every single house, building, street is on fire. Like man, what caused this, right? So pretend you're like a little kid curious. I was that 20, 21 year old kid curious as to what caused this collapse and financial stress in people's lives from happening. So I spent the last 10 years unwinding what happened. And now we're just getting back to what I believe are the next signs of a market collapse from happening. So I basically, I wrote this book based on my experience, real life stories dating back to 2007 incorporating my football and life background, but really showing people that it is possible to get a mortgage the right way, and not only to get a mortgage, but be able to afford your mortgage. And really showing millennials that regardless whether you have student loans, whether regardless you have savings accounts, even with a little bit of effort and commitment, you'll still be able to own a piece of real estate in the United States if you have the right team around you. So. Yeah, I, I, am, I aim for this book actually to come out in April, just in time for the spring market, which will then leapfrog us into our app we developed, which is Home Buyer Huddle, which we believe is going to be the number one online real estate community for the country. Nice. I love it, man. That's that's a wealth of knowledge, and, and I lived through that that whole craziness, man. So you know, um, it, it was a scary time. It was a scary time, like you said, look going out your door, looking at like the the, the burning flames. It was almost very metaphorical, but like honestly, like that's how you felt inside. Everyone was burning. What's crazy is like what people don't realize is okay. Let's say you were a 12 year old kid, right? You're good. You still don't have a care in the world, but you don't know what your parents went through, your uncle went through, your neighbor went through, your teacher went right. through, the bus driver went through. You don't know how it directly impacted everyone else. And I hate to say it, but everyone that was alive in 2007 and 2008 has some type of collateral damage mentally from what happened. Whether it's a parent that lost their home, lost their job, got denied for a mortgage. I agree or your grandmother who 
simply couldn't afford to keep her property anymore. And then your grandmother went into foreclosure and she had to move in with another family member. It, you know, so many people- And that could have been something, an inheritance that's gonna go on to you that could have shaped the lives of your kids. And it's all about, it all stems back to the mentality of how you look at it. So listen, it happened. My, I would rather be two to five years early on calling the next crash and be able to educate one person a minute, one person a day, one person a month, help prevent them from making the same selfish or greedy mistakes that people made in the past. Because as you know, history always repeats itself. It's just a matter of time. And, that, and that's scary, man, because like, you, you hit a lot of nuggets, man. You hit a lot of nuggets. I tell people all the time that one's greater than zero. If you can change one person's life, then then, then you, you 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 reached it. You like you hit the goals. I don't know. I think it's that Fordham Jesuit education. That's the <laughs> uh, we're, yo, we're hitting we're hitting on a lot of the same the same mentalities, and that's why I love love you know having you around. Now, Jack, Jackson wants to get involved in this podcast. He he's he's pumped up. Jeff Jeff <laughs> motivates not only business people but also kids as well. <laughs> I mean, listen, at, the, at the end of the day, here's how I look at it, right? Money gives you the means to survival and living the life you want to live. And real estate is where you sleep at night, where you should feel safe and comfortable. So if you have real estate problems due to money problems, you know, it's just your quality of life is really going to suffer from that. So the more people are educated on real estate literacy and what to expect in the unknowns of what could possibly happen, it combined with a good, solid monetary budget, a good financial analysis and scope, including credit to savings and investments and retirement, I mean, it just puts people in a much more educated position to make a financial decision. You know, if you can't afford where you live, you're not going to want to live where you live. You know, if you owe the bank money, you can't afford to make the payments, it's going to negatively wear on you. Um, and listen, at the end of the day, it comes down to two things in life. You have the quality of life, right? And then you have your friends and you know, people are going to influence of where you get to. So if you surround yourself with the right people, with the right information, you should be able to do what you want to do in the world. Miyoko, you got to touch on this. He's, he's touching a lot of things. Environment, surrounding people. I know, I know you're salivating, so <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I know you're salivating. What you want to do So listen, take, take it over, bro. I know you're salivating so, after that. So, so before we get into the challenge that we always like to do, I got a question for you, Jeff. I mean, you've obviously... Oh, well, I think I think you're breaking up, Yoko. Yeah, you got break, the alien. Up a little alien. Yeah, say that again. I think it's your your um your mic or maybe it's the the, the service is breaking up a little bit. Yeah, he's breaking up. Yeah, you're breaking up, Yoko. Can you hear us? You're, you're breaking up pretty bad. It's like a can you guys hear me now? Yes, yes, that's much better. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Now. Okay. Yeah, All right. So we're back. we're back. So I wanted to say when when you realized that you weren't able to, weren't going to be able to play professional sports, what was that like? What was going through your mind, and how you how did you overcome it? I think that's uh, good for the audience to, to to know and those that are going to be listening to this. So so you what know, was that what was that feeling like, and how did you overcome it? Well, you know what's interesting. So. I think this this is a loaded question. We could spend the next 10 years going through the <laughs> psychology behind it. I think as a competitive athlete, I don't think there's ever a 100% confirmation that you're not going to be a professional athlete. Meaning, 
Like there's still days I'm 31 now. I'm like, man, if I gave it my all for six months of training, could I get back on the field? So I think we all have those dreams that we aspire to be like. I can tell you that literally two days ago, when I resigned from my previous position at Residential Home Funding um, to give myself the mental break I needed to really, really see through my book, because that's going to be something that you know, really propels, I believe, our future leaders to the next level. And I got to give it my all. I didn't realize that the mortgage business was a distraction. The challenge day in and day out was that distraction from reality. So I could tell you that if I didn't have the mortgage business, I'm not sure how I would have been able to cope, right, with my dream is being canceled. It was kind of like a rebound to my relationship. So you have a girlfriend, you're dating, you're dating, you're dating. Something <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, so the mortgage business was like my rebound to like not making it in football. And then before you know it, you realize it was a rebound. I'm grateful for all those experiences, but I think at the end of the day, it's something that, you know, it's not easy to um, cope with. I, I don't think that the psychology behind that. There were days that I was down and out. I faced depression, anxiety, all these things that really took my life down. But the mortgage business was kind of like my savior. And what I mean by that is it prevented me from really going off the deep end or jumping off that bridge when I wanted to because I was accountable to people that relied on me to help get them their mortgage. So let's say I spent an all-nighter in New York City, like we've all done, you know, Manhattan's our playground, an adult playground. You know, get up at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning when you got home at 5, 30, 6 o'clock because the person needed you to help get their loan closed, that always kept me going. You know, my accountability to other people. And taking it back a step further, I come from a divorced household. Mom, dad, dad got divorced again best parents in the world, but I went through a lot at an early age, specifically with my dad's second divorce. Um, with, I have a little brother that was involved, and football was that savior at the time. Like sports uh -huh. became my outlet. Run around, distract, it doesn't matter what else is going on, who's fighting with who, where I'm sleeping that night, never mattered. Football, baseball, basketball, training was my distraction. So if you actually go to the underlying root, of where everything happened from. It started with football, and then the mortgage business was just another mental challenge that allowed me to you know, really dig deep and you know, make a difference in the world. It's really what it boils down to. Well, it's, it's amazing because I often say leadership as a leader, accountability is one of the driving forces. You know, being a leader, you always know that there's somebody else that you have to give value to. There's somebody out there looking for your help. And I don't know about you, but that keeps me from procrastinating. That actually keeps me going because I'm always in a mental perspective of, okay, there's somebody out there right now that wants to listen to the next video, was waiting for the next book, waiting for you to get on stage, all these particular different things. So I think it's very interesting that you said that because true leaders, they embrace the accountability factor. It's actually yeah. what drives them. So I think that is really, really cool that, that you found another aspect to leadership by having the mortgage industry being your rebound girl like you said you know you know it's funny right it's so, it's so wild man because we always say adversity hides you know opportunity hides in adversity and jeff like you're striking that flat on like right uh, that's right principle volumes yeah so one of the principles and i'm like i'm blown away because we're not here with just one best-selling author not two best-selling authors 
we're going to be with three. Like, I know for a fact, has his motivation, his passion, his purpose, that his book is guaranteed to be a bestseller. And I'm super excited, you know, you know to, to, to dive in because you're going to change, you're going to change and shape lives with this book. Yeah, I got to get that book myself, man, because I'm, I'm into real estate mentally, but I haven't dove in yet. So I, I definitely have to check it out, even for myself, man. Yeah, and you know, you know what's crazy, right? I always say thank you. Sorry about that. Um, it's like, as humans, I, I had to go back and dig deeper. I wasn't just doing it from my own knowledge. I was doing it to see, you know, how people think from owners of companies to employees. You know, there's different factors that go into people. But I like understanding the psychology of people, specifically in a competitive, sales-driven environment, right? So I'm like, I'm the first person to let myself down. I think we all are. Like, we don't care if we let ourselves down. You know what? You know, eat that cheeseburger when you're on the diet. Have that cookie when you're not eating sweets, right? We let ourselves down. But I never want to let anyone else down, ever. You know, again, I have no problem sleeping at night if I let myself down. I don't want to let the person that believes in me, that needs me, that's inspired by me, that needs me to help them. I never want to let them down or tarnish their image of how they perceive me, regardless of how I feel about myself. And uh, one thing I got into last year, it's pretty interesting. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of it. It's a type of practice called network spinal analysis. You guys look into it. I started doing it March 7th of last year. I got very heavy into it. Um, check it out. It's something that's allowed me to better myself um, by releasing past tensions and you know everything I've been through um, by the way I've held stress in my body due to my mental downloads of perception, right? So we all hold on to the past. You know, the past is what's made us, what's trained us, it's allowed us, what's gotten us to this level and hopefully will propel us to the next level. But really, truly being aware, specifically from a physical standpoint of your neck being tight or you know, your lower back being tight or your hamstrings, all the spiritual aspect that comes into it has really allowed me to move forward and up the ladders quicker because I understand now what goes on not only within myself but within the entire organization. Nice, nice. So, Eddie. I like that. I like I that. I think it's about that time, Eddie. You oh. know what we do around this particular uh -oh. time. That's it. So, That's it. We usually issue a challenge, Jeff, but since you're our featured guest, we're going to have you issue a challenge to all of the listeners out there listening. And we have a, uh, an amazing, growing fan base. And we always like to leave them with a little golden nugget and issue an actual physical challenge for them. So the floor is yours. Issue any challenge you want. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and challenge every single person that's listening to this to pull a copy of their credit report. And I have no problem doing it for free for everybody, right? Through my resources, we'll pull credit. And we want to have every single person have a goal to bump up their credit score by at least 20 points in the next 30 days, which is possible for every single person that has a credit score. Uh, so if you're interested in learning not only about credit, but how just 20 points can help improve your borrowing capabilities or the borrowing costs, then I'm gonna give you that challenge to reach out and have us do that. Oh, this is nice. Okay, all right, so you gotta tell people where and how to contact you, man. I mean. Because you're going to have people like, oh, let's do this right now. Sure. Next 30 days. Credit. I mean, that credit makes the world go around. So, yeah, yeah listen, um, when you have credit, you can do anything, you know? Yeah, so. Um, and, that, and that's huge because that's a that's an actual physical, mental, financial 
challenge. Jack Jackson is pumped up about that challenge. <laughs> Listen, see what, see what people don't realize is, right? Like starting at that age, you could add him onto one of your credit cards as an authorized user and start building up his credit at 19 months. People don't realize wow. just how valuable that is. Um, wow. If, if you want, if you want to contact me, you can go to my website, themortgagequarterback.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at the mortgage quarterback, or you can email me at the mortgage quarterback at gmail.com. And to give people a little sneak peek into what's going on, um, don't worry, I always have something up my sleeve. I always have some unknowns. So I have a couple big announcements we'll be making in the next 30 days, but we're going to let things work themselves out and uh, hopefully just bigger, bigger and better ahead. Awesome, man. Up. You got, you got you, me pumped up because you know it's so funny because there's secrets to wealth. Wealth and, and success leaves, leaves clues. And that's a huge, huge resource. Could you imagine now going to college, going into the into the business world, being able to take out, you know, you start a business and now having credit from 19 months old, building that credit. Wow. That's a powerful resource. I think all the listeners right now. That was a nugget alone. If you don't get anything else. That this man said, if you have children, you've got to take advantage of that. And you got to do it the right way because I hear horror stories where people put, you know, cable bills and all types of other crazy things in their kids' names, and that's only destroying their future. This is a way to build up your kids' future. So I'm super, I'm fired up about that. Listen, a couple couple other tips too. Listen, like I said, regardless of what your credit score is, regardless whether you have student loans, debt, no money, you know, listen, at the end of the day, the first issue is addressing the issue and understanding that it can get worse, but if you're around the right people, it can get better. The other thing is, the main thing I want to stress is, listen, there's a lot of companies out there that have, in every industry, an unlimited marketing budget. Do not judge a company by their ability to market, but by the people that are behind the company. So don't be fooled by online advertisements. Don't be fooled by somebody that's paying hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to be the premier specialist in the service you're looking for. At the end of the day, everything is a street game and everything is about relationships. It's about the relationships with people that you have and you grow and you nurture. You know, So if you do things the right way, and you always stick to your values, morals, and ethics, everything will always work out. It might not be the cheapest, but sometimes, you know, you really want to make sure you're dealing with the right professional in the industry you're working on. I absolutely love that because we were talking about certifications and people got all these online courses, they market it, they, they charge yeah. all these certifications, but nothing beats certification like life experience. Wait, that, this was... That, that, you, you got the experience and I'm, I'm blown away, man. I think you added a ton a ton of value absolutely a ton of knowledge you know, to our listeners so i'm super excited i am blown away we're gonna have to we're gonna have to follow up with this we're gonna have to once we get absolutely you knocked out we're gonna have to follow up with this podcast because there's a lot of stuff that i want to reach out and touch and I'm, I'm blown away yeah listen if you guys have if you guys have any other questions you know get get them out now you know i'm an open book you know i stand by every decision choice i've ever made unlike most people I'm the first person to tell you I'm not perfect. I made mistakes. You know, and a lot of the mistakes I made were because I've always liked pushing the limits. I like taking risks. I also like big reward, you know. So if you want to throw me a Hail Mary every single time, do it. I don't like that five-yard hitch route. Throw me a deep ball, you know. But at the end of the day, it comes down to learning from all your experiences and being able to pass on your experiences to others, but really giving people the correct information and education for them to make the most educated decision from weightlifting, MMA training, being a doctor, whatever it is, make sure the source you're getting your information from, the 
people that are giving you that information have the right intentions. That's the most valuable thing I can tell you. And we're gonna just leave it at that. We gotta we gotta do something, Eddie. We gotta do a a, a, a business or a financial series and really just like bring Jeff back and maybe no some other people it. and, and there's, really there's, really get into the meat and potatoes of that. Um, there, cause there's better. a lot of athletes that need to hear this message. A lot of folks. We're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Art of Winning show with my co-host, Miyoko Taylor, and our featured guest, Mr. Mortgage quarterback himself, Jeff Van Note. It's been absolutely a pleasure, and I'm super excited. I can't wait for the listeners to get all of this insight, man. I'm pumped up. Thank you guys for the opportunity again. I really appreciate it. No, no worries. All right, Jeff. We're going to get you to be that bestseller. I can't wait for that book. (laughs) 